Welcome back to the Mavin Show. This is your host, Rohit. Today we have Warren, the business coach and trainer. Thank you, Warren, for getting into the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to it. Would you just like to give a quick intro of yourself first? Yeah, so my my start is kind of weird. I've got this strange eclectic background. I started out as a as a lawyer. I'm a recovering lawyer. I practiced for about six years mm-hmm. as a litigator, and then I left that to go be an entrepreneur. So I had three or four businesses in the new media space. Same time, I was also an actor and a theater director and a college professor. So I did all these weird things and then sold my last business and was looking for the next thing to do. And I heard about this crazy thing called business coaching, which I'd never heard of before. A family Uh friend was doing it. And I looked into it and went, oh, my God, this is exactly what I need to do. And I talked to friends and family. They all said the same thing. Oh, my God, this is perfect for you. (laughs) Uh, So I've been doing it now for 20 years. Is your business coaching anything anything specific or is it just for anyone? So I work with entrepreneurs basically between a million and 10 million in revenue. I've worked on either side of that. I've coached people up to 150 million, but Uh the sweet spot seems to be one to 10 million. Mm -hmm. Um, I tend towards, it's not exclusively, but I tend to work largely with service-based businesses. Uh Uh, That's just sort of my background and the the people I've worked with. Um, And they tend to be people who kind of have a values orientation. Like they want to make the world a better place through their work as well. I, mean, uh, I love I, mean, I love working with people who like that. They care about their people. They care about their community. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, care yeah. about their customers. You know, it's not Fighting, just about making a buck. Yeah, even if it's just, you know, with a small part of the community, sometimes it's big. But as long as they've got that kind of, you know, I care about yeah. excellence. I care about people. So that's been my my focus for the uh-huh. last 20 years. And, you know, the, the results have been pretty cool. I've helped a lot of businesses sell their business, um, achieve freedom, get to mm-hmm. seven-figure salaries, uh, have it. some pretty good impacts, build high-performance cultures. So it's it's been it's been a really interesting journey. And I just I love entrepreneurs because they are they're instinctively and just naturally high personal responsibility people, right? Like they just if it's to be. I got to make it happen myself. They don't sort of look to others to do it. It's like there's problem solvers. And I just love that, that attitude they have. Got a guts to do it for sure. Yeah. A little bit of courage too. (laughs) Although, you know, what's interesting. There was actually some really interesting research about that. Entrepreneurs actually aren't risk takers. They're optimists. It's that they don't, they don't actually think about how risky their endeavor is going to be because they're just so in love with their idea. They just assume it's going to work. You said like you bring entrepreneurs to achieve seven figures income in annual yep. fishing. Bring um like ARR hundred million USD plus. So what do you want more inclined towards? Like I've I because I've been doing it for twenty years. I do a lot of things, but if you're just to uh-huh. distill it down, mm-hmm. it's to really focus on. Well, it's really to focus on focus. I use a uh-huh. fan. You know, the, the business term is strategy. You know, mm-hmm. like getting getting clients really focused on what their strategy is for a given period of time. So they don't what too many entrepreneurs is they just play whack-a-mole all the time. Uh-huh. You know, something came up, I better deal with that. Something comes up, I better deal with that. And the problem with that is mm-hmm. they never get anything done. You know, mm-hmm. they get they get tasks finished, but they don't actually advance their business because they're not kind of working on the structures. So strategy is really just saying, how do I deploy my scarce resources of time, team, and money? to achieve a particular objective. And that means making hard choices saying, you know, I got 23 things I want to fix. I can't do 23. So what are the two that I'm going to do right now? And the interesting thing is if you do two things a quarter over the course of a year, you'll have fixed eight. 
Now, yeah. You show me five businesses that have done eight fixes over the course of a year. It's not that many, right? Mm -hmm. And the reason is, is because they're trying to do too much at once. So a lot of my work is to, you know, I, I know a lot about a lot of different areas about business, uh -huh. but the main value is getting a client to go, forget those 20, focus on these three. And when you get those three done, then you'll get the next three done. And when they get that discipline, each one of those three, they then learn more about their business. And it's sort of like getting your MBA in your business by applying your business as the case study. And you're just, you know, yeah. applying each one of these. And so that's, that would be my thrust is to try to just get people focused on what matters most at the right time. People will look to other entrepreneurs as, as justification for trying to do yeah. too much. Like they'll look at Richard Branson, look at Richard Branson. He's got 10 businesses. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But he that's did so one at a time. And so when you get that, when you have that discipline of just focused, you'll achieve so much more. There's an old saying that says, we always overestimate what we can do in the short run and underestimate what we can do in the long run. Uh -huh. And so if you can flip that, you know, and say, okay, I'm going to do less now, and that's going to help me do more later. And when you do that, the transformation is just remarkable. So what's the main aim you are more focused into? I really want to help um, ethical entrepreneurs make a positive impact. Okay. And the thing is, like, you can't have an impact if you don't achieve excellence, uh -huh. right? It's like anything. I mean, we're, we're recording this just shortly after the World Cup, you mm -hmm. know, and you watched all these players, and they were, like... They they won for a reason, right? They got to the finals for a reason. They're yeah, exceptional yeah, yeah. at what they do. Um, and to have a really big impact, like I believe entrepreneurship is actually one of the most powerful forces for positive social change, mm -hmm. right? And that's kind of why I got into it. All those different incarnations of things I was doing from law to acting to professorship, I was trying to find that way for me to have an impact. And I find that entrepreneurship is that place. And if you think there's a there's an old play called Rent, it's a musical, it's a great play. And there's a line in that play that says the opposite of war is not peace. It is creation. Uh -huh. War is destruction. Right. And so it's opposite is creation. And what do entrepreneurs do? They create, they create value, they create opportunities, they create solutions to problems, they create wealth, they create relationships, all that stuff. Yeah. So so that's where I think the big positive change comes from, but they're not going to be able to do it if they don't know how to leverage their business to achieve those outcomes. Mm. And so my goal is to help as many entrepreneurs as possible, learn how to make their business as successful as possible so they can have the impacts that they want. So that's kind of ultimately my goal. And then I have, I have a secondary, which is I, I've been building a business coaching system with technologies and tools and things like that, that I've been creating over the years. And so I want to actually help other business coaches use them to achieve the same thing. So it's more a leveraged way of achieving what I want to achieve, which is helping as many entrepreneurs as possible have the most positive impacts possible. Because there's a lot of business coaches who they don't really know how to read financial statements. They don't uh -huh. know, they don't necessarily have systems for how to implement. And there's some, there's some stuff out there where there's a goal of simplifying things. Mm -hmm. But a lot of that leads to oversimplification with mm -hmm. people who don't, they don't have the nuance to kind of understand when to apply and when not to apply. And so I'm trying to help build some tools that will help coaches achieve that. How entrepreneurship is the powerful source of social impact? So what, what, what is entrepreneurship ultimately? It's problem solving, right? Most uh -huh. entrepreneurs, they get they say that thing isn't being done well enough. So I want to fix it. I had a client who mm -hmm. he was a client in an industry and the customer service that he received was so terrible that he decided to start a business in that industry just to make it better. 
Uh-huh. You know, I had another client, I helped him in his first business and he sold it for a bunch of money. And now he started another business and their goal is to like redirect a billion tons of waste away from the waste stream. Uh-huh. You know, so, so how do I, it's, it's really finding entrepreneurs who want to have an impact and then helping them build the skills to do that. You know, the skills and processes, because there are, you know, if you go into it, if you go into business because you're a great designer or you're a great accountant or you're a great architect or something, that's great. Like you've got some yeah. brilliant technical skill or you got some great passion. I care about hunger. I care about the environment. I care about whatever it happens to be. Well, that's wonderful. But to, to business is its own skill, right? Yeah. And so you have you have to learn those skills to achieve it. So you can be a great architect, but a great architect doesn't mean you're a great business person. If you're a great designer, that doesn't mean you're a great business person. Yeah. You know, and so it's a different set of skills that you need to learn. And if you can understand that, that it's not just I'm trying to do legal services or I'm trying to do carpentry services or plumbing mm-hmm. services. It's like I'm building a business that provides plumbing services. Uh-huh. Oh, that's a little bit different. So I'm, it's, I can't just be a good plumber. I got to understand mm-hmm. how to hire and how to pay people and how to yep. market and how to do customer relations and all those other mm-hmm. skills. That's the difference between the freelancers and the agencies for real. Yeah. So you got you to gotta have the business skills. Freelancers will apply <laughs> their skill for someone else who's building a business, yeah. you know, but if you're building a business, you've got to learn those things on your own. And entrepreneurship takes time, you know, like it does yeah. not come in easy. No, it's like it's like any skill, right? You get you got to practice and you've got to learn. The thing that's great about it though is you've got an environment in which you can practice, yeah. which is your own yeah. business. It's sort of you can choose how quickly you want to get there. And this is, you know, some people are heavy into the, you know, you got to work 20 hours a day and all that kind of stuff and mm-hmm. you don't have to, you can, but like the more work you put in early, the better you're going to be as long as it's here's here's one of the interesting distinctions though too. You want to make sure that in five years, you're not just having one years of experience five times, but mm-hmm. you want to have five years of experience. Uh-huh. Yep. So that means actually thinking about what you're learning and actually having a strategy for how you're going to build. Like if you just keep doing the same thing over and over again, you're not going to get better. So how to make good decisions and uncertainty. So it's decision-making and uncertainty. And this is one uh-huh. of the things, this is the pushback I get sometimes when I talk about strategy. People say, but it's too uncertain. I can't develop a strategy. That's uh-huh. that's nonsense. You know, if you talk to any military commander or any sports coach, uh-huh. they will tell you that what happens on the field never perfectly reflects their plan. Uh-huh. But they'll also tell you that without the plan, they would have got their butts kicked. Uh-huh. And so the plan is a framework for decision making. So um, I like to use the metaphor of poker, not because I'm, I advocate gambling, but co- poker is a game... People think it's a game of luck, but it's not. It's a game of skill in which chance is an element, right? And so a rookie might beat a pro in a given hand, but a pro will always win the game. So if it's just chance, how is that possible, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So there's a skill involved in making decisions in the face of uncertainty. And so that's part of what strategic planning is about, is saying, you know, how much can I afford to put at risk? You know, how much should I not afford to put, what should I not put at risk? What, taking a look out in the environment and say, what clouds are on the horizon? What should I be looking at? What opportunities are out there? And when you start to get the discipline of doing that, you'll make smarter decisions. Like you don't, you know, a lot of my clients know I'm, if you read, so I'll get myself in trouble. There are some advocates out there, right? There are some Uh people in my industry who just say, you got to go all in, you got to put everything in every, you know, 
And I'm actually not a big fan of that. If you don't have the right information, don't yep. put yourself in an existential risk. Yep. Like think about what you can afford to lose, right? <laughs> think about real. what opportunities are out there. So it's like in a poker game, right? You're not going to take your whole pot and, you know, try to try to bet it on your first hand. That's stupid. <laughs> a lot of that is cash flow management. So yeah. I had clients who in the, at the start of COVID, their mm -hmm. entire industry was shut down, but they, one in particular, but she didn't lay off anybody because she'd done such a great job of cash flow management. She was uh -huh. able to keep her people and invest in research as to how to pivot and then wound up having two of their best years ever. Right. Uh -huh. So decision-making in the face of uncertainty is okay. How do I sort of build the supports for the business that give me opportunities when they arise, but also protect me when things go down. And if you get into that kind of really thoughtful decision-making, you can survive even in really, really difficult times. Tell me the three building blocks to build a successful brand. These are, this is sort of how you wind up building a business successfully. And if you've ever been near a condominium or a big building, there's like a hole in the ground for three months and you wonder what's going on. And then suddenly it's up three or four stories. What you're doing is building the foundations, yep. right? They're putting the foundations in place. So there's three foundations to all businesses and everything else sits on those foundations. You got to get them in place. Uh, and just using sports as analogy, I think it's the easiest way to explain it. You mm -hmm. can't win if you don't know how to keep score. You can't win if you don't have a high performance team and you can't win if you don't have a winning game plan. Yep. So those are the three things that you have to have in place. So what does knowing how to keep score mean? It means knowing your numbers right? Knowing your profit margins, knowing your break-evens, having what are called KPIs or key performance indicators in place uh -huh. that are metrics that show you how well you're succeeding mm -hmm. and looking and reviewing those numbers all the time so you learn the story that they're telling you. Too many entrepreneurs that I meet, they use their numbers just for tax purposes. They just go to their accountant and say, here, I know what my sales are. I know what my profit was. Now, how, you know, help me not pay too much in tax. That's not enough. Your numbers actually tell you a story. And if you know how to read the book, if you know how to read the story, it'll help you make better decisions because it'll uncover for you what's working and what's not working. So that's the first thing is you just got to look at your P&L, your balance sheet, your cash flows, your cash flow projections, and your key performance indicators every month. Mm -hmm. Not just alone, but as a trend. Look at them over time so you can see what's happening in the story, right? And if you do that, you'll make way better decisions. Second thing is you've got to have a high performance team. If you don't want to do everything yourself, if you don't want to just be a freelancer, but you want to build a business, you got to have a group of people. Yep. So what do you do around that? That's like, how do you assess whether your people are performing well, whether they care, whether they're motivated and whether you mm -hmm. have the right team. So that's sort of like, how do you go about building a high performance culture? And then the third thing is you take the learnings from those first two. So I, I actually, this is what I, this is sort of how I work now. My, mm -hmm. The first three months with me is month one, we get all your numbers in place. Mm -hmm. Month two, we evaluate your team, see whether they're, they're happy, unhappy, engaged. <laughs> what are the things that they, yeah. they think need to be improved? <laughs> Come up with a set of prioritized ways of making the business more effective. And then the third month is then how you build that game plan. So I built a tool that actually automates the whole front end of the strategic planning process. So just by answering a bunch of questions, it automatically populates a SWOT analysis, which is strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And from there, helps you choose that focus that I talked about for the okay. next 90 days 
And then what are the specific action steps you take in light of the numbers that we looked at and in light of what your team is telling you and in light of all the questions that you just answered, you're going to lay out a 90 day game plan. Got it. And I'm what I've done. I think, I think I'm, I got to be careful. I think I'm the only one that has this, although I may not, but I've, I've done this for so long that I'm so confident in the results that if you're not happy with the, the plan that exists at the end of the three months, I refund everything you paid me. That's cool. Yeah. So it's, it's very much like those three things together, everything else gets built on that. And I teach you how to execute the plan. And that's the, that's the kicker, right? It's not just looking at numbers and looking at people and looking at a plan isn't enough. You got to learn how to execute it. Yeah. And when you have that discipline in your business, when you have the discipline to every 90 days, build out your next 90 day plan, even though, you know, maybe a few things didn't work out in the last one, you learned from it. So now you're making the next one. Now you're learning some more. Now you're making the next one. Uh -huh. When you do that regularly, your team will trust you so much more because you're saying, this is what we're going to do the next 90 days. And then you do it. They're going to be like, wow, this person lives their word. Mm -hmm. Right. And they're going to trust you more. You're going to look at the results. You're going to know how to keep score and say, we did that thinking it would produce this outcome. Did it or did it not? We keep in score. Right. And then we plan again. And when you just kind of rinse and repeat that over the life of your business, you will have so much control and you have so much clarity over the direction you're going. And you'll be able to start predicting those kind of impacts you want to have. So that's why I say, so those three foundations, whether you want to work on marketing or HR or strategy or product development, you need those three things to know whether they're working. You got to have the numbers, you got to have your people, and you got to have the plan. If you don't have the great people yet, then you got to have limits on your understanding of what you can execute. Yeah. You know, if you don't have Messi and Mbappe, you're not going to win the World Cup. So don't set that as your goal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you've got to think about... And what resources, if you don't have, you know, $10 million in cash, well, you might not be able to build a factory yet. It's real. It's real. You you can. So part, part of that is really understanding what you're capable of executing. It's called the theory of constraints, right? There's like, there's limits to what you can do based on the resources you have available. As you build more resources, then you can do more stuff and execute. Awesome, Ryan. So any best advice, you know, anything you want to say for... Like two entrepreneurs, obviously. Fail, but not don't fail to the point where you lose everything. Like, yeah. you know, fail forward, make, make, take risks, take learnings, you know, and move forward. I'd say, you know, getting started, have a very um, clear idea of what it is you're trying to achieve. Like, uh -huh. what is the impact you want to have? Who is the customer you're trying to serve? What are their pain points? How does your offering service them? Mm -hmm. Right. And get, get super clear on that. And then, like I say, the, ma the magic thing is if you can start just doing regular 90-day planning, just say, this is what I'm going to achieve in this 90 days. Here's the steps I'm going to take. If you do that on a regular basis, you will learn so much. And over time, you will, you will achieve more than the people who are trying to do 23 things at once. Most people fail at consistency and executing. Yes, that's... That's, you know, something like 80% of plans fail. And it's usually, it's not because the plan was bad. It was because execution sucked. It's not because people are lazy or irresponsible. What happens is something new comes up, right? There's a change in the economy. There's a competitor who does something unexpected. One of your key employees quits. Like there's always a reason yep. for moving off plan. 
-hmm. but that's that's where the discipline comes in right the discipline comes in goes oh something changed i'm not going to abandon the plan i'm going to revisit it and see what needs to be shifted right and when you when you're constantly doing that like a plan is a living document it's not written in stone right so you can shift it but you just got to make sure it stays the boss and as long as you're doing that you'll you'll execute way more successfully well, thank you so much for having into the show and sharing these bunch of insights with the audience. I think we loved it and audience, audience will also love it. So yeah, thank you so much for having in, man. Oh, thanks for having me. I, it was a real pleasure.